Along the way, I don't know if you've been up I-65 north lately, but there are signs for everything along the way. There are more billboards than ever. Stop here, get this kind of fruit, get this kind of gas, go to DeSoto Caverns. It's crazy. And so my seven-year-old, my oldest, at the, uh, my oldest, she was seven years old, Ava James, um, every single billboard we passed, every, every gas station we went by, she would beg, Daddy, can we stop there? Dad, can we get gas there? Oh, Daddy, can I get a candy bar there? Can we get this peach there? Can we go get some ice cream? And in my head, I'm like, baby, I need you to focus because all of these are detours. They're tour straps. They are distractions. We got in this car this morning with a purpose, and it is to fulfill our purpose. We got to get to Bucky, so I need you to just focus in. And I get that this sounds a little spiritual. Maybe it is. Leave me alone. And so we drive and we head, we're there. We get into the parking lot of heaven on earth. The doors open. We walk in and we smell the beaver nuggets. <gasps> Woo! It was a good day. And we ate and we ate and we ate and we ate until we could not move. Now, you may be thinking that sounds a little bit like gluttony. I, listen, God's still working on me. Nobody asked your opinion anyhow. Leave me alone. It was such an incredible day. And so I know that this is a silly story, but this, I, I'm using this story to help drive to our main topic of today. Because if you're in this place this morning... If you're watching online and you say, hey, I am a follower of Jesus, I identify as a follower of Jesus, then hopefully you understand and know that we have a very important purpose, a very important calling and a command from Jesus in the book of Matthew to go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The church, not the building, but the body the church exists to show the world a better way. The church exists to show love instead of hate, grace instead of shame, forgiveness instead of revenge. As followers of Jesus, we are called to be a picture of heaven on earth. That is our calling. That's why we are here. That's our purpose. But it's not always easy. Let's be real with one another for a second. It's not always that easy to walk day by day with Jesus. There are challenges in living out our purpose. It is difficult to live in our calling. Why? Because every single day you get up, every single day you walk outside of your front door, there are thousands of things vying for your attention. There are thousands of things trying to distract you. Every single day you get up, and walk out of the door. It is difficult to walk hand in hand with Jesus. And if I had to label tourist traps, if I had to label detours with one word, it would be distractions. And we all have dealt with distractions in our life. As a follower of Jesus, it is a day-to-day -day fight to keep our focus on the Father. And you're not alone. There are many heroes throughout the gospel that dealt with distractions. We have King David who was distracted by pleasure, Abraham who was distracted by fear, and we had Paul who was distracted by pain. We all give our distractions some sort of name, but at the end of the day, a distraction is anything that takes our focus away from our calling, our purpose, and our attention on God, and here's what we have to understand this morning. Before we go any further about distraction, it's this. 
Your ability to overcome distraction will be the number one determinant of how successful you are on your path to fulfilling God's calling on your life. Overcoming opposition and distraction. It's the number one determinant of how successful you're going to be in your calling for Christ. And there was this ordinary man in the Old Testament that I believe we can learn from his example. He had a great example, lived out a great example on how to deal with opposition, how to deal with distractions. His name was Nehemiah. And before we jump into that, let me also say this. This is Nehemiah's story. I'm not going to say that these were commands from God. They weren't. We are learning from his story on how to deal with opposition and distraction in our own life. So be careful not to put yourself in his position. Learn from his example, of the great example that Nehemiah, an ordinary man, set for us. Let's pray. God, we're just so grateful for the opportunity to come into this place this morning and hear the gospel. It is not man's words that are life-changing. It is your son. It is you, Father, that is life-changing. These words, Father, I pray that they would be planted deep in the hearts of everyone in the room, everyone watching online, Father. That maybe today they, weren't, they won't begin to grow, but maybe years from now they would remember this moment, remember his story in a moment of distraction, and they would learn from his example. They would turn their focus to you, Father. They would continue moving forward. They wouldn't give up. I'm just so grateful and honored that you brought us together in this place, Father. And as we leave, when we hear this gospel, as we leave, Father, I pray, God, that we would take the gospel to those that are hurting, that need a light, that need hope in a very dark place. In your name we pray, everyone said, amen. Now, who is Nehemiah? Now, I already said that he was just an ordinary man. What I mean by that is he wasn't a king. Uh, he wasn't a rich young ruler. He wasn't a prophet. Uh, Nehemiah was an ordinary man. The Bible says that he was a cupbearer to the king of Persia. And one day, Nehemiah is just hanging out. And his brother comes to visit him. And while he's there, he tells Nehemiah of the great, terrible condition that their people back in their homeland, that they're in. So because a few, excuse me, a couple decades before this conversation, you may not know this, but the Babylonians actually attacked Jerusalem, tearing down the wall, nearly burning it to the ground, leaving it in shambles. And decades later, no one had figured out how to rebuild this wall and literally taking thousands of Jews captive. And Nehemiah's brother is sharing this with Nehemiah, and his heart sank. He is hurting. And he begins, the gospel says, to seek the heart of God, praying, God, let me go. Should I go and lead my people? And so he goes to the king. He says, King, I need to resign from my position because I am called. I got to go help my people. I got to help rebuild this wall. I know I'm not a carpenter, but I got to go lead. They're hurting. They're, they're, I got to help protect them. They need a leader. And so the king blesses him, and off Nehemiah goes. Now, in the beginning, things did not go well for Nehemiah, but soon the Bible says that Nehemiah began to make great progress. 
he began to make great progress in his purpose. Now, what do you think happened to Nehemiah when he began to make great progress in his purpose? What do you think happened when he began to build that wall? The enemy started to turn up in his life. Distractions. The moment he began to make progress in his purpose, distractions. Let me ask you in this day and age, what happens when you begin to make progress in your marriage, in your finances, in your family, in your relationship with people, in uh, in your relationship with your children? Maybe at your job you begin to make spiritual progress in your life. The enemy pops up and he does everything he can to shake your focus off of the Father. That's why he is here. He is here to shake you and keep your focus off the Father and on your circumstances, the issues, the storms that you may be in in that moment. Here's what I want you to know this morning is this, is that if the enemy cannot destroy you, he will distract you. If the devil cannot destroy you, he will distract you. If he cannot destroy you, he'll get really, really excited distracting you. So let's see how Nehemiah handles distractions and opposition. This is what the Bible says in chapter 6. It says, Sambalot, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates. It says, so Sambalat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet at one of the villages in the plains of Ono. So so Nehemiah is making great progress in his life, in his calling, in his purpose, and then boom, distraction. The enemy says, come meet with us. Come talk with us. What are you doing? Tell us what's going on. They're trying to obviously harm him, get him away from what he is doing, distract him. Come and be with us. Let's talk this out, Nehemiah. And here's what I would say about today's time. I would say that there has never been an easier time in the world to get distracted. I would argue there has never been an easier time than now in the world to get distracted. I don't know if you know this or not, but in the last 10 years, there has been this term born, phantom vibration. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of that. I'm just kind of learning of that over the last few weeks. Phantom vibration. It was born from the fact that you and I are so attached to our cell phone, the internet, to social media, that our phone is constantly ringing and vibrating, that we're getting notifications and, and text messages and, and phone calls and email. We're getting all, and DMs and notifications on Facebook. It's now on our wrist. And so what phantom vibration is, is that your body is so used and your brain is so used to feeling this vibration and ringing going off in your life that when it's not happening, it tricks you into believing that it's happening. So you reach for your phone and you go, nobody's calling me. Nobody loves me. That's where we are today. Here's the fact is that we've become really, really good at doing things that do not matter. We've become experts at doing things that do not matter. I would say this to you. Now, I, listen, I, I, this story has convicted me. His example has convicted me because I began to look at things in my own life. And I think that we can all agree here that we spend a ton of our valuable time doing things that do not matter. 
I bet if you look back at your week, you would see the hours of your valuable, limited time here on earth we have spent scrolling through social media, looking at TikToks and Reels and Instagram and Facebook and looking at everyone else's highlights and looking at their life and going, I wish my life was like them. Look how terrible my life is, not even knowing what the story is behind the picture or the video. And remember, if the devil cannot destroy you, he will distract you. And so if he can take your valuable time away and get you to scroll on your phone and do other things that do not matter, then he's taking time away from your marriage. He's taking time away from your family, your children, your job, the gospel, the most important relationship you could ever have with God. He's taking time away from it, which will lead to destruction. So he always has a plan. If he can't destroy you in the beginning, he'll do everything he can to distract you. And our time is very limited, and it is very valuable. And so we should put structure in our life. How did Nehemiah handle the opposition here? How did he handle this invite? This is what it says in Nehemiah 2 and 3. It says, but I realized, this is Nehemiah, I realized they were plotting to harm me, so I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in great work, so I cannot come. Why should I stop working to come meet with you? Nehemiah's enemies asked him to come meet with me. Nehemiah said, nope. And why did he say that? Because he was so focused on building this wall, on on fulfilling his calling and his purpose, he knew that my time is valuable and I don't have time for your distractions. I don't have time for these detours in my life. I have a job to get done. I have a calling that has been placed on my life. i got to help lead my people. They need me. Something that we could learn from this moment is very clear. I would submit to you that one of the greatest skills you could develop in order to protect your family, your time, your marriage, your calling is learning to say no. Learning to say no more often in your life to things that do not fulfill your purpose and yes to the things that do fulfill your purpose. Now you may be asking, Tony, how do I say no to my kid who wants to play their eighth sport this year? Tony, how do, I, how do I say no to credit cards when I'm really trying to get out of debt? How do I say no to this beautiful card that I really don't need? I'm preaching to myself. That I really don't need. How do I get out of this? I, I think I need a credit card because I need more stuff, but the interest rate is super high. How do I get out of this? How do I say no? Okay, I'm 37 years old, so I'm learning this as well. But in the last few years, because I have children now... I have learned to get better at saying no to the things that's not going to fulfill my purpose and make me a better person and help me fulfill the calling that God has placed on my life. I'm not perfect at it. I'm still learning. But I want to help you today, okay? So here's here's how you say no. You guys ready? Because we're going to do it together. So you got to watch the example. You ready? Here we go. No. Did you see it? It was so easy. And I know that you're going, no, it's not that easy. It is. Watch. You ready? No. I want everybody in here on the count of three to do it with me because I want to make sure that you're really getting this. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. No. Some of you are not turning your head. What are you doing? You got to turn your head so people know that you're serious. You got to really cock it around. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. No. 
you learned something today. You learn how to say no. Also, adults in the room, guess what? Because you're an adult, a lot of times, you don't even have to give a reason. You can just say no. And they go, why? And you go, because. No. You can say no because your time is valuable. Now, listen to me. I feel like I need to say this uh, before we go any further. I said it in the first service. Some of you right now are thinking... The next time Journey Kids ask for me to serve, I'm going to say, no. That's not fulfilling the call that God has placed on your life. Okay? Not doing anything is not fulfilling the call that God has placed on your life. Maybe you're not called for, for children, but you're called to do something in the church and outside of the church that helps build the body of Christ up. So if you go to Pastor Nate and he said, Tony said, I could just say no to you. You're a liar. Don't do that. I'm not going to have your back for that one. No. So the Bible says that Nehemiah told his enemies no four times. They kept saying, come meet with us, come meet with us. No, 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 no. I don't have time for your distractions. I don't have time for these detours. I'm working on something special here. And this is what the Bible says, that the fifth time, Sanballat's servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. There is a rumor... Everybody see that it's bold and yellow? Because we're coming back to that. There's a rumor. There's a rumor among the surrounding nations. And Geshem tells me it is true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel. And that is why you are building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. There's a rumor. I found this on Google. Uh, last week, and I thought that it was really good for this moment, and so I wanted to share it with you. When it comes to rumors, rumors are created by haters, spread by fools, accepted by idiots. That's really good. Rumors are created by haters, spread by fools, and accepted by idiots. Here's what I would say to you this morning. Do not allow the whispers of the world to distract you from the calling that God has placed on your life. You will never accomplish big things for the gospel, for the kingdom. You will never accomplish big things if you are constantly distracted by small-minded people. It's never going to happen. In this last few months of my life, I've been walking through a season Because I deal with pride like a lot of men, but mine seems to be at a level that is at all-time high sometimes in my life. And so I feel like I need to go to God and I need to go to mentors to be put back in my place. And so I've dealt with this issue of looking at highlight reels and needing pats on the back. And I'm this guy. I'm awesome. I'm the best student pastor. I'm the best husband, which is not true. Without Christ, I'm a fool. With Christ, I'm a fool, but I, I know who to go to. So I've been going through this season and believing things that are being said and I'm believing lies and I'm getting hurt for no reason. And so my mentor just a few weeks ago, he said something to me and I wanted to share that with you today because it spoke to my heart. When it comes to rumors, it says this, don't worry about what people say about you. Worry what's true about you. Worry about what's true about you. Don't worry about what people are saying about you. Don't worry what you think they might be saying in a conversation off in the corner about you. Worry about what is true about you. Live a life that honors God and do not give 
your valuable time to the whispers of this world. You have a purpose. I need you to understand that the enemy, the Bible says that he is the father of lies and his goal is to plant a lie in your life that will shake you and get your focus off the father, off your purpose, off your calling, off your family, off your marriage, off your children. That's his goal is to shake you and break you. Do not listen to the whispers of the enemy and the world. There's a rumor Now listen how Nehemiah responds here. I think that it is absolutely incredible. He says in 8 and 9, he says, I replied, there is no truth in any part of your story. You are making the whole thing up. I love that because he he knows who he is. He knows what his calling is, and he knows, more importantly, who God is, who is for him. And so when they say this lie and they start these rumors, he doesn't have to worry about them because he has security in God. I know who I am. I know what my purpose is. I know what I'm doing here. I have the vision. Everything you're saying is a lie. You're trying to distract me, intimidate me. You're trying to kill me. I don't have time for you. I'm going to keep moving forward. And this is his reaction to that rumor. He says in verse 9, they were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. Very powerful part at the end here. So I continued the work with even greater determination. I, you listen to me, you have made me so agitated and now I'm so focused that I'm going to have even greater determination. I'm going to have greater determination. I love Nehemiah's heart. He calls the enemy out. You're a liar. I don't have time for you. You're starting rumors and I don't have time for this. My time is valuable, it is limited, and I'm not dealing with your mess. I know you want to harm me, I know you want to start rumors, but I'm here on behalf of God and my people. I'm leading them. I don't need you. I don't need your rumors. I love that he calls out the enemy. And here's what I want to say, is hopefully in this room, and anyone watching online, hopefully we believe there is a one true God, but a lot of times... We forget that there is a a real enemy, the devil. He is real, and he is doing everything he can to start a rumor in your head. He's doing everything he can to lie, to create division in your life. He's doing everything he can to knock you off your pedestal, off your focus. He's doing everything he can to rock you. And there's a lot of times in my life where I have literally stood in my living room and shouted, you're a liar. You're not going to defeat me because in my weakness, his power is made perfect. I know it's not me fighting for me. It's God fighting for me. So you're not my problem, enemy. You're not going to take my family. You're not going to take my children. You're not going to take my job. You have no reign in my life. And so here's what I would say to you is grab some courage And begin to speak to the enemy like he's the enemy. When opposition and rumors and distractions try to tear you apart. Learn from Nehemiah. 
He is speaking directly to the enemy. No one's going to distract me from my calling that God has placed on my life. I will not be distracted or intimidated. Nothing will distract me from being the husband or the wife I am called to be, the parent that my children need me to be. Nothing will stop me from spreading the good news, hope to the hopeless, love love to the outcast, being a beacon of light to a broken and dark world. I will not back down, and I will not lose focus. I must have value because there is, there is breath in my body and I must have purpose. And God gave me that purpose. So I'm not going to back down. You have to live in this life of, I'm not trying to do what's impressive. I'm called to do what is important. I'm not trying to be popular. I'm living out my purpose. An enemy, you cannot distract me. World, you cannot distract me. You cannot have my family or my finances because all of it belongs to the Father. And my purpose is to go and make disciples along the way of life. And so I will not get distracted. I will not lose my focus. I'm called. And I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. I don't know who this message is for, but I would say wherever you are, do not allow the voices of discouragement, spiritual opposition, the whispers of this world to distract you from who God has called you to be. Your great mission is to go and make disciples to make them in your home, to make them in your job, to make them at Walmart, do whatever, to make them in the church. You are called. As a follower of Jesus, you're called. You have a purpose. It is to protect those that are hurting, that are in terrible conditions. We're called to go and lead in our actions, in our serving, in our words. And it's going to be real difficult to do that if we are constantly distracted. Verse 14 and 15 as we close. This is Nehemiah praying to God. And this is such a powerful moment. Remember, oh my God, all the evil things that Tobiah and Sambalat have done. And remember... Noadiah the prophet and all the prophets like her who have tried to intimidate me. Remember, God, the lies of the enemy. Remember the rumors. Remember the intimidation tactics. You remember that, God? Remember all of those people that were just liars? Remember the enemy that is just a liar? Remember that? I have a purpose. I have a calling, God. You have given it to me. You are for me, not against me. Because of that, on October the 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. For decades, for decades, this wall couldn't be finished. And Nehemiah because of his love for God, his trust, his strong faith, 
completed his purpose. Why? Because he chose to push out the critics and stay focused on the Father. I need you to hear me. He's an ordinary man. So if he can do it, we can do it. But only with God. You will fail by yourself. This gospel is many stories woven together pointing to Jesus. And without him, we will be distracted over and over and over. Our life will fall apart. We will have no answers and no clarity and lose all focus. So wherever you are this morning, I pray that you receive this story that you learn from it. And wherever you are in the process of life, my prayer for you is that you do not stop, that you do not give in to distractions, that you do not lose hope, that you do not give in to discouragement, that you believe that no one and nothing can intimidate me, nothing can distract me. Why? Because God is with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He is reinforcing my calling and no distraction is going to stop me from living out my purpose and loving my family and leading those around me. Nothing is going to stop me. Not even me. Because my eyes are focused on the Father. The greatest example we have ever had in blocking out distractions and living in their purpose would be Jesus. Now I recognize that is Jesus who lived a perfect life. And so that is impossible us. But what an incredible example. Every moment of his ministry seemed like people were tearing at him and pulling at him and trying to distract him. The enemy himself tempted Jesus. But he recognized his purpose was to go to a cross and bear the weight of the world, your sins and mine. That he would die on that cross, be buried three days later, the stone would roll away, and Jesus Christ, the world would never be the same because he is alive. And he filled the gap that was created by sin, the gap that kept mankind and God apart. He filled that gap with his sacrifice. He fulfilled his purpose. And you need to understand, as followers of Jesus, it is your calling, it is your purpose, it is your command to go and share that love that was shown to us with so many. With everyone you come in contact with, it is our goal to do that. And if we live in a world of constant distractions and we don't allow the Father to create peace and structure in our life, we're going to fail at that every time. And so I would say to you this morning to take time this week and get away with the Father and begin to limit distractions in your life and do everything you can to be the man, the woman that God has called you to be. Because if you have breath, you have purpose. And the purpose is to be a light to a very dark place that is not getting better. The world needs us.
Your family needs you. Your friends need you. So do not allow tourist traps, detours, distractions to keep you from filling, fulfilling the call that God has placed on your life. As we close with our head bowed, eyes closed. God, we are just so grateful for your gospel. We are so thankful for the example that Nehemiah set. He may have done all of those things not really even knowing that 2,000 years later we would still be learning from it. And God, I am so grateful for his courage to call the enemy out his courage to continue to move forward. God, I know that he wasn't perfect, but he was a great example for us. And I pray that we learn from that this moment. God, for those that are watching online that are in the room today, that are just now hearing about their purpose, that are just now starting to understand, those that have never accepted the love of Jesus before, Father, we pray right now that the next steps would change their life forever. We know that it will. We pray that they have the courage to accept the relationship with you. If you're in the room, if you're watching online with your head bowed and your eyes closed, you go, hey man, this Jesus character, I want a relationship with him. I don't know that I've ever done this before, so I want a relationship with him. And so if that's you, we want to help you right now. If you would walk with me through a prayer right now, if that's you, say, I I want to accept his salvation. I want to recognize that he died for my sins, that he rose from the grave. I believe that he is the son of God. I want to declare that with my life. If that's you, can you just raise your hand really quickly? Me and you right there will walk through a prayer. Can you get it up right now? God, as we close out this message, I'm just grateful for all of the people in the room, all of those watching online. I'm so grateful for the declaring of the Word of God, the story that we learned from today, and most importantly, your sacrifice of your Son, Jesus, for our sins. And I pray, God, as we leave this room, that we would remember the great sacrifice that was given for our sins, that we would share that gospel, that we recognize that is our great purpose, that is our great commission to go and make disciples. In your name we pray. Amen.